We are in the middle of, actually getting towards the end of a series on life verses, and it's been an exciting series because you get to hear perspective from um, a, group of, a group of the elders, um, I believe Kyle's next week, and it's, it's fun because um, different verses hit you at different times in life, and different verses speak to you from the Bible, and can build you up at different times. So it's, it's been a neat thing to kind of get to hear the different guys' hearts about the different verses that are meaningful to them. And today I want to talk to you about uh, more of a topic um, on freedom and freedom in Christ. As some of you know, about nine years ago, my wife and I uh, decided to become foster parents. Um, I still remember getting that first call for that first placement. And as they started to explain the situation to, to us over the phone, both our hearts sank. Um, it was a pretty, pretty rough situation. Um, they explained that um, the one-year-old boy was locked in his high chair, was knocked down for not eating his food, was beaten severely, nearly to death. And his three-year-old sister, afraid, was hidden in the closet, hid herself in the closet, and all she could hear was pretty much the screams from the other room and the sound of the cops busting down the door and saving them from that kind of horrific situation. The little boy was life-flighted to the local hospital where they worked on his tiny 10-pound body for who knows how long, but eventually he he got better. But that day, Alice and I decided, yeah, let's take this placement. And... They've been with us ever since. They are two oldest in our family. Fast forward nine years, and now, um, if you guys remember this past Monday, it was like such a beautiful night. Uh, just the weather was great. Good night for softball games. So this time, our two oldest were playing against each other in a game of softball over at City Park, and the entire family came out to cheer them on, support them. Um, have fun, lift them up. You know, I could smell the the scent of a cookout and filling the air. I could uh, hear my baby Danny voice cheering on my oldest daughter as they played against each other. It was a beautiful scene just this past Monday. And it was a beautiful picture. From my perspective... This was a micro story reminding me of the grand story that God reveals about all of us in the Bible, a living story that we are all still participating in. How we were once chained by the sins that we inherited from our first father, Adam, and how Jesus came to our rescue, healed us, freed us, and adopted us into his heavenly family so we can truly experience life as we were meant to. In Romans 5.19 it says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Because of our first father's sin, we inherited a heart that was enslaved to sin, a heart that was naturally fearful, mistrusting, self-focused, and at odds with our Heavenly Father and others. 
eternal separation was where we were headed. But God would not give up on us. God had a plan to rescue us and give us a new heart. But it would cost him dearly. The Bible says that the penalty of sin is death. So someone would have to pay for our sins. Someone would have to live a perfectly obedient and sinless life. Someone would have to die that death that we deserved in exchange for our freedom. This someone is Jesus, the God-man, our older brother and the hero of the Bible and our own individual stories. He did something we could never do so that all we have to do is call on his name to be saved. In Romans 10, 13, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is radically good news. He set the situation up so that all we need to do is call on his name to be saved. But not only does he save us, but he also seals us with his Holy Spirit. He frees us from fear. He adopts us into his family. And we get to call him dad. On this Father's Day, we get to call him dad. Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father which literally, literally means dad or daddy. Do you understand the benefits of being able to call God dad? I mean, I love to bless my kids. They're going to get my inheritance. They'll get whatever stuff I have. And how much more does our Heavenly Father love us and want to do right by us and care for us? We have a dad that loves us. And even more, not only does he save us, seal us, and adopt us. But he removes our old heart and gives us a new heart and a new spirit that this time wants to love him, this time wants to trust him. In Ezekiel, God said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is radically good news. In my, in, in, you know, I'm a technology guy, and I kind of think of it as like, if you've ever seen Saved by the Bell, there's that Zach Morris phone. It's just big and clunky, and it's just giant, but they think it's awesome. Fast forward like, to nowadays, you have this phone that can pretty much be connected to the cloud with unlimited amounts of applications and downloads. And basically, God took our heart that was just one-dimensional and self-focused, and he gave us a brand new heart with basically unlimited connectivity to him. So he adopted us and empowered us with this new heart. This is something supernatural that happens when God adopts us and something that is much different than earthly adoption. You see, when we adopt a child on earth, the child still has the same heart, same fears, same coping mechanisms that they had before. Sometimes a child that is adopted never desires to be a part of their earthly family. Sometimes after years of receiving unconditional love and learning to trust people again, they embrace their new family. God promises us that when he adopts us, he also empowers us with his Holy Spirit and gives us a new heart that at its core wants to love God and people. 
if we choose to ignore the Spirit, it, it just ends up making us feel unfulfilled and empty until we re- return to our new design to love God and to love people. Why do you think when they asked Jesus what the most important command was, he said, this is to love God and to love people. This is, your new, this is going to be your new design. When you walk away from it and you start trying to pursue, your, using your freedom to pursue other things that you think will give you life, it ultimately just makes you feel depressed, down, out, until the Holy Spirit kicks you back into gear and points you back into that direction. We still wrestle with our old habits, but we experience the greatest happiness and fulfillment when we operate from our new heart. We no longer worry about what we have to do to please God. Our new hearts understand God is pleased with us because of our faith in Jesus. And now we ask him with excitement about what we get to do, not, that, not what we have to do. Similar to the way my kids run to me when I get home from work. And they surround me and they say with the most joyful tones in their voices, Dad's home. What are we going to do tonight? What do we get to do tonight? Are we going to play football? Are we going to go in the backyard and throw the ball around? Are the calves on? Here. <laughs> but it's this, this sort of like eager anticipation that they have that, that Dad's home and something cool is about to happen. And then sometimes... They have to do chores. Oh, we're doing work. Ah, not so cool. But hey, (laughs) dad's home, whatever. Our new hearts long to be with God and spend time with him because we know deep down he's good. He's a good, good father. We're eager to see what we get to do with him. And also, this this is really big. As we've been saved, adopted, filled with the Spirit, given a new heart. When we mess up, when we struggle with sin, there is now no condemnation or a look of disgust from God. But instead, we get an arm around the shoulder from a, da- a good dad that says, let's work on this, son. Because it's not, about, it's not bringing you life, is it? I want life for you. Jesus saved you to experience life. God doesn't turn his face away from us when we sin. He looks us right in the eyes and he offers us the way out because Jesus already took the full weight of our sins upon himself and buried them. He's not ashamed of us. He loves us and he wants the best for us. Jesus heroically hanging on the cross for us and paying the full penalty of all of our sins, past, present, and future, set us free, and we're adopted into his family through faith by what he has done for us. And that takes me to my life verse, a life verse. In John 8, 35, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is not just good news. This is great news. The end game for God and his people is for us to be free to love him. Free to love one another. He doesn't desire us to be in bondage to sin. Or addiction. Or anything else that we run to. But he has set you free. 
And if, you, and if he sets you free, you will be free indeed. And you can use your freedom in a way that will end up bringing you happiness and fulfillment through loving God and loving one another and living your life in such a way that brings that flow. Or you can use your freedom to keep going your own way and going your own way and going your own way and then God keeps bringing you back. And it's sort of a tiring situation. But he has set us free. When we understand that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves, we are free to live our lives from a place of gratitude and trust rather than cynicism and fear. When we realize Jesus took that on for us, we can live our lives from a place of thanksgiving and trust versus being cynical and fearful. So here's, I'm going to share just several ways this morning um, that I've been able to embrace freedom in Christ that I hope will be an encouragement to you. This list could be much longer, and I would encourage you to go home and write some things down in your own lives that allows you to live this free life in Christ. It could be much longer because essentially it enables you to express our love to God and others in unending ways. So here's some, some good ones to think about today. First, it gives you the freedom to relax. Did he just say relax? Doesn't he have like 20 kids? What are you talking about? Yes. This gives you, Christ gives you the freedom to relax. By knowing that he's paid our debt in full, we can stop, take a deep breath, thank God, and rest in our eternal security. This was our biggest and most eternally significant problem. It was a 10,000 pound weight on our soul. And God took care of it for us through Jesus. Praise God. We are now bound for glory. And I want you to think about this and meditate on this, this truth when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling down. Put our eyes on Jesus. God knows that our souls can easily grow tired and weary in this world. But Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Jesus promises rest in a relaxed soul for us. And it's only from this posture of rest and a relaxed soul afforded to us by grace that we can meaningfully do the good works that God has prepared for us to do in advance. Freedom in Christ gives us the freedom to live generously. By knowing that everything we have is God's and that we are eternally secure, we can look for ways to use our stuff, which is temporary, to bless others, which is eternal. Whatever God's given you can be used to care for and bless others. Whether it's your intelligence, your money, your time, your talents. So one thing Alice and I have done since we've been married is we've always opened our home to friends and family that need a place to stay during life's transitions for them. You know, since we've been married, not counting foster children, we've probably had over 12 friends and family just stay in our home for extended periods of time because it's all God's stuff and we have it to share it. And we should do that when we have the opportunity 
And I can tell you from experience, God gives you the grace and a peace and a fulfillment to go do it and live it out and enjoy it when it's happening. Because if you're looking at it from the perspective and hearing all this stuff, is like, oh great, now I've got to go open my house up and do all these things and now I have to be relaxed. I'm so anxious. Go back to the first part <laughs> and rest in the fact that Christ basically took that weight off your soul and go back to there and keep going back to there. Because Paul said... I come to you with not fancy words or great ideas of wisdom, but I come and preach Christ crucified. And that is basically the starting block where we got to keep going back to until we, we get that and we feel it and we know it. We have the freedom to laugh. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I love in Proverbs when it sa- where it says that a merry or happy heart is good like medicine. Laughter is good for you. It's good for your marriage. It's good for your kids to be around. I personally think God has a pretty good sense of humor myself. I mean, have you seen some of the crazy things he's created? Have you watched the Discovery Channel? I mean, seriously, I'm going to go off into my own imagination here for a minute, but I can kind of imagine the Trinity sitting around, looking at all the crazy and cool stuff they created, and all of a sudden they look over and they're like, What's that? That's a duck-billed platypus. Well, who, who created that? Jesus is just sitting there like... <laughs> and clearly, he's fully omniscient. He knows everything. So I'm sure, yeah, I'd take that analogy with a grain of salt. But I think, that, I think God has a sense of humor because we do. We love to laugh and crack each other up. And that's one thing I, I appreciate about uh, Kyle that he's, a, he's really funny, and he's fun to be around. He enjoys making people laugh. We can go back and forth on Seinfeld references all day. He knows the value of a good laugh, and he brings it to the pulpit in his relationships. And I can say that the members of Covenant do the same. Since Jesus took care of the serious business of paying for our sins and securing our spot in his family forever, we don't need to take the things that are not eternally significant so seriously. It will all pass away. So enjoy your salvation and have a good laugh with friends and family. He gives us the freedom to fail. I know as humans, we hate to fail. We, it scares us, you know. I'm take, you know I'm, you're entering a program in college and you're scared of what's going to happen or you took on a new job and you're scared, oh, I might not be able to do this or you have a new leadership role. Oh, what are people going to think? But Jesus gives us the freedom to fail because he did not fail in his mission to rescue us. Because of his obedience, which secured us, we have the freedom to try new things and fail forward. When we want to try something new, we know we have the safety net of Christ beneath us. Also, when you sin and make mistakes, God is there to walk with us through it and help us succeed rather than look at us with disgust. That disgust for, for sin was dealt with on the cross. It's finished. We've been made new. He's called us to good works that he's prepared for us before the foundation of the earth. How do we discover them? How do we discover these good works that God's prepared for us in advance? It's, it's pretty simple. You pray, you talk to your heavenly dad, you talk to your friends or your spouse, and then you try it. 
You try something. If it fails and there's no life in it, no harm, no foul, try something else. You've been, you have the freedom to try new things and see where the Spirit takes you. And have the humility to let things go when they aren't working or producing fruit and just go try something new. It's sort of a fun and relaxed state to be in when you kind of look at this world that we live in and, and you kind of look around and you say, okay, God, what are we going to get to do? And as he ignites a passion in your heart, you go try it. You go do it. And if it fails, it fails. You go try something else. I'll end with this. This past Wednesday, we had another softball game. And my oldest boy, after the game, got his traditional post-game snack and drink. You know, kids love their snacks and drinks. If you're a person that forgets them, help so help you. Well, several years ago, he would have eaten it as fast as he could, as quickly as he could, so he wouldn't have had to share it with anyone. Wednesday, he said, Dad, if you're thirsty, you could have this. Also, I know that you and Evan and Ty like to work out at night. And I know they get thirsty too. You can share this with them. Folks, it's not always like this. I mean, it's rarely like this. But that, that, that evening it touched me. Friends, this is what the kingdom life looks like. We get adopted. We're free. We have struggles along the way. We have fun. But our new hearts ultimately desire to please God because he loves us, not because we're trying to earn his love. When troubles come, and they always do in this world, we have a dad that comforts us and loves us like he does Jesus by his spirit, and we can find rest in him. If the son has set you free, you are free indeed. If you've listened to, this, to these words and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I want that freedom. I've heard about this freedom. I think I know about it, but I, I don't experience it. You know, I want to encourage you to talk to a Christian friend that you know is, is walking with Jesus about it. You can come up and talk to me afterwards or any of the members of the worship team, but it's important that you, you bring it up. So, with that said, right now, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We're going to remember and celebrate Jesus and his heroic sacrifice for us on the cross by taking communion meal together as a family. You can use this time to thank Jesus for what he did for you on the cross and praise him for removing our sins forever and making us right with him. You and your family can come up at any time during the next three songs to celebrate Jesus by taking the bread and the juice, symbolizing his body and blood that, that purchased our freedom. If you still have questions about Jesus and your faith journey, that's okay. But my hope is that you will stick with us and more importantly know that Jesus is going to stick with you.
you can use this time to let the music wash over you.